I say, Africa must wake up, the sleeping sons of Jacob, for what tomorrow may bring. May Our dynasty on the morning bliss. Can you tell me, young ones, who are we today? On our dynasty, we are joined by Paul Nzamande, who's an author, a life coach, a speaker, mental wellness advocate, and an all-round amazing and inspiring man. Today, he's helping us understand legacy. Um, it is Heritage Month, and I think one thing I've learned about who we are as Africans is the fact that our history is an oral history. That's legacy, because we pass it down from one person to another. But we need to move with the times, and people are starting to write our history. So what else should we be putting down as legacy as Africans? That's what we're discussing this morning. Please do join in on uh, the conversation, 0614-104-107. That is our WhatsApp number. A very good morning to you, Bamzamande. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, good morning, good morning, madam. Thank you for such a gracious introduction. Yo, listening to you say all those things, I'm, I'm, I almost was like, right, right, uh, getting ready for a standing ovation. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Good morning. I'm glad. I'm glad. Well, tell us, legacy. Why is it so important for us to build a legacy? Um. To, to to get a good grasp of why it's important, perhaps allow me to just define it because then the importance of it flows from how it is defined. And legacy really becomes the, the, the will, the inheritance, the testament that we leave for those who come behind us. So, for example, if I leave a will of buildings and money and whatever, that then my children can speak of this as a legacy that they inherited from me. So legacy is inherited. Now, having said that legacy is inherited, there is a general perception that legacy speaks more to tangible things. And we tend to think of legacy as um, the legacy of a leader. For example, they left they left buildings, they left projects that they initiated, etc., etc. But legacy can also be very intangible. And in the intangibles, legacy tends to begin with one hour conduct tends to flow very much from our character in the way that we carried ourselves. But number two, uh, which I want to just emphasize on is legacy. If we are people of impact, whether positive or negative, we will leave a legacy. Three, whether we are intentional or not intentional, we will leave a legacy. Uh, and number four, that, that legacy then has an impact on the people that come after us. So, so, so me just being myself in my own household, by virtue of the fact that I'm a person who's in a position of leadership in a household, my conduct, by whatever means, whether intentional or unintentional, we'd leave a legacy. So it becomes important to recognize that none of us can escape this idea of leaving some form of legacy. Then we say, how do we then create a legacy of impact? And why is it important? 
So if we live in line with our purpose, our personal purpose, then you'll find that invariably we will live a lasting legacy. We'll live a positive legacy based on the impact that we are having. So I would therefore say it's important, one, that we live intentionally on purpose, because when we live on purpose, we will have impact and that impact will be positive and that impact will then live a better life for those who come after us and that's the importance the importance is that it lives a better life for those who come after us now i say um that it it it, it is both tangible and intangible i it's it's it's, it's heritage month allow me to refer to um, one of those um, famous heroes of our history, King Shaga, for example. And in your introduction, you spoke about how he, it's very oral. Our legacy is passed on in a very oral manner. If you, if you want to just understand the history, um, if you look at the praise songs, of the kings, for example, you will find their, their entire legacy encapsulated within those. So even if you may not have had a lot of history to understand about King Shaga, if you just read the praise songs, and in, incidentally, his are very long, it's about, um, they've been reduced to about nine pages now, but you can find a lot about the kind of person that he was, the way he carried himself, the kind of military victories that he had, the kind of personal relationships that he had, the kind of impact that he had. So, for example, we know that at some point um, he was a man, you know, when they say, and, and, and then you can just zoom in on that piece and just see, okay, there was a time where he was so militant that there wasn't even enough time to sit down and have decent meals because he was always, he had, he had very little time and in his time he was busy with military conquest and therefore he came across uh, to those who were watching him as this kind of person who was just always up and about, up to something, you know. And the, but also you can get a sense of his physical stature his physical stature, when, when, when the praise uh, singer says, so, okay, so this guy was quite tall and, 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 and had a very, um, uh, he had a, a decent complexion, you know, and then in terms of, so, so, so on and so on and so on, um, you, you'll find that if you go through the praise songs, you get a good sense. For example, if you talk about King Dinosaur, uh, you know, and, and when they praise him, they tell you, they say, oh, he took over kingship when he was very young. Yeah. Uh, and those kinds of things. And, and so our oral traditions were very powerful. And it's going to come to the issue that you raised really about writing it down. The oral traditions were so powerful. If one just looks at uh, the praise songs, for example, the kind of um, the, the, the kind of prowess that you had to carry to qualify to be a praise singer. One, it was national duty. Uh, to the extent that it was national duty today, it would almost be the equivalent of um, Inoxondonga qualifying to do the, the national anthem. 
so they were very closely related that in other words there were issues of national significance and you had to get the best people and they used the best of their skills and so if you look through the praise songs the you know the literary i mean the the, the poetic skill everything you could look for in a poem in a powerful poem whether you're looking for alliteration whether you're looking for onomatopoeia whether you're looking for 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 imagery whether you're looking for any kind of literary analysis uh, whether any kind of literary analysis that you'd want to do on those poems would leave you with a sense would yay these things are rich these 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 things are rich they are not just i mean I want to think of something. Um, you know, it flows, it flows, just the rhythm. It's, it's very rhythmic. In fact, I would go so far as to say it competes with the best. You can bring, I mean, in my little experience, probably the most difficult poetry is um, a Shakespearean sonnets. And I'm saying to you with great confidence, if you take praise songs of kings and you put them side by side by um shakespeare and sonnets they are they compete they're probably more superior in my opinion and the shakespeare sonnets are, are iambic pentameter so they've got they've got the rhythm of a um a horse trot um and th those things uh you know you, you you feel the rhythm on that. You know, it's 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 so they're very rhythmic. They're poetically rich and 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 that's what would ensure that they would last over generations. And that's why now you still got songs to um that come from as far back as 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 King Chama, for example, Uchamaka Senza Konaka Cham. So that's that's um about two three centuries ago. But, and as you correctly pointed out, but we are getting to a point where that literary history and that literary skill and that 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 poetic prowess that would have allowed us to do that, but also to have storytelling in Ganeguan, which would be stories that would transmit values. And now we're talking about intangible uh, legacies. You'd have in Ganeguan, uh, folk tales that would encourage certain attributes. You know, um, um, I'm, I'm, th I'm trying to think, um, and 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 I think um, ooh, 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 Madame Tinam Shop is doing such a great story of of maintaining that culture of storytelling, um, and and folk tales, for example, would carry those values, and with those values, you would ensure that you've got a group of people, a nation, a tribe. Um, that have a common value system. And that common value system is then reinforced through these tales. For example, we grew up knowing about the tales um, of, 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 of which often involved doing good to the elderly. To say the people who do good to the elderly are the ones who end up living lives that are blessed. So you then have a legacy of folk tales that reinforce reinforce a cultural value system. So 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 it's doing those it's balanced. But as those are becoming lost, it's becoming more and more important to then reduce these things to writing um, those that are 
that are still available at least because we often underestimate the impact of um, colonialism um, to begin with and then of course apartheid to cope with it and uh, I'm one of those who listen with interest when people say to us ah, leave apartheid in the past and 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 I say to myself I don't think we should leave apartheid in the past I, should we continue complaining about it well maybe less but we must learn more from it we must learn more from what was apartheid and if we understand what colonialism and apartheid was, and we understand what were the instruments of apartheid, what was the impact on, of those instruments on our culture and on our heritage, and therefore the tools of transmission of that heritage, then we've got lessons to learn where we can then begin to use our arts and culture more intentionally. So let me make an example. Because you now had households that were broken down systematically and it's not, it's not coincidentally there was a systematic breaking down of the family unit which meant now the father wasn't here he was far away in the mines doing work and the structure of the household changed and when the structure of the household changed the support systems the social support systems disintegrated which means now where a young man would ordinarily grow up within a group of peers and they would be groomed according to peer uh, groupings and taught what they needed to be taught as they got to specific stages. Those structures have disintegrated. And with the disintegration of those structures, it's important that we acknowledge that we now need a new medium and we need to now be intentional about transmitting legacy about transmitting heritage about transmitting values about transmitting a sense of pride and let me pause to make a a, a personal point here just one short personal point mm -hmm. it is my view that it is not just um, um about africans um as in color but africans of all color south africans of all color we don't have now a model south african citizen if i ask you what is a south african citizen what are the values that need to be espoused by a south african citizen how are those being transmitted let me make let me make a, a very simple example in the former um kwazulu homeland and, and, and I'm not getting into the politics of it. I'm just making an example. We had, for example, something that was called civic studies. And in civic studies, the idea was you were being taught how to be a citizen. And in the lesson of citizenry, you were being produced into a model South African citizen. Whether the, the citizen they were producing then was good or not is a matter of judgment. Uh, but I'm saying there was intentionality about producing a model South African citizen. And that would be an intangible legacy. And mm. I don't think we're doing that now. Let's, ho let, let's hold it now. there, uh, uh, Paul, and uh, take a quick break. When we come back, A-teamers who, oh, who are um, sending messages have some questions around um, this creating of legacy.
Well, our conversation is around legacy and uh, we are trying to understand what is, uh, you know, legacy. How do we create it in our different spheres of life, where we are in life uh, without wanting to think that the legacy is created when you are much older, even in the way we treat ourselves and treat um, our country. What is our legacy? Paul Zamande, author, life coach, speaker, and mental wellness advocate, is our guest. Uh, we've got a guest, uh, King um, Atima King Saint Nazi, who has sent a message saying, "Good morning, Mrs. Mandula." Mrs. <laughs> Guys, it's very funny, this one. But uh, King Said Nazi, good morning to you. He says, we won't live without legacy. What kind of life uh, will we be teaching our children, our kids? Legacy is the history on the other word. So uh, I, I, I I, think let's, let's look at the legacy. I know you were going to various uh, elements, uh, Paul, with regards to even the way we treat ourselves and behave and treat our country and our perspective uh, it needs to be taught because that is legacy but this one of teaching kids about legacy where do we start how do you start teaching your children about legacy um it it would it would start with you learning as an individual for example it would start with you learning to say how intentional are you about understanding the elements of legacy uh, and in our case uh, it starts at a personal level what makes it slightly challenging and i'm not going to override the fact that it's complex there is personal history as there is family history and then there is our history as a country and as a people. The, because we now live in homes that are different from, from homes in the past where it was easier because the history was always patriarchal. And it was about, I'm, for example, I'm born of Usipon Zimande. Usipon Zimande is born, uh, you know, Sipo Wetsworth in Zimande. That's easy. Uh, Sipo is born of uh, Ambrose in Pipio Zimande, who's born of Unkunzan. And then my history is patriarchal in that way, and my lineage can be traced that way. But um, some of my children and some of my children are tracing their, their history uh, using matriarchal lines. And so it, it's become a question of saying, where do they link? Where do they draw? Are they drawing their history from their uncles, maternal uncles, or from me? So firstly, we are navigating those challenges because, and we must be honest about this, um, I heard stats somewhere where someone was saying over 60% of the births registered at home affairs now are, are without a father which means the usual way of tracing those things is going to have to, we're going to have to acknowledge is now different. Having said that, it begins with the personal history. If I'm intentional about understanding my own history, but also picking the positives out of that, and that's where the clan names, you know, I begin by knowing just my clan names, because my clan names tend to carry in them stories of bravado. In fact, I've yet to hear anyone who's got um, clan names that do not uh, elevate them to some level of uh, um, heroism. 
you know uh, if i think about uh, my family for example you know you get this sense of these very confident people yeah, and it inspires yeah. me therefore ทีนี้ทีนี้ทีนี้ทีนี้ทีนี้ทีนี้ทีนี้ทีนี้ทีนี้ทีนี้ทีนี้ทีนี้ทีนี้ทีนี้ทีนี้ทีนี้ทีน
and it was not forced on her and there were very serious rituals that were carried out to make sure that she is sober about what she's doing but also that spirits are invoked to embrace and accept that in particular the spirit of the departed person so whether you agree with that or not is another story but i'm just saying there was process and method to it now somebody writes in a website and and i say this uh, and i have to say it was a, it was a white person uh, and I'm not saying it in in a bad manner. I'm just saying it was a white person, which means they were not a they are not they are not they don't have any depth of knowledge. And they are saying that the the Makoti would be raped, you know. Mm-hmm. And this is someone who's put it on a website that the whole world can read. And they are saying in Zulu culture, a Makoti could be raped. Mm. And I mean, this is this is like like somebody's gone and put that out somewhere. Someone has actually thought. In fact, I should have made a note of that website. You know, sure. someone thinks. Someone think it's it's on a website. I'm not. I'm not. It's. I'm not manufacturing this. It's on a website somewhere. Someone has said we Zulus as 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 part of our mourning, we, 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 we rape the 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 the, the widow. You know, so so what am I saying? There is great damage, therefore, out there. I should have made a note of this website. I will, because I'm speaking about it on national radio, it becomes my duty to go and find this website as a reference so that so that I can speak on national radio things that I cannot back up with facts. I will find it, and the next time we speak, I will supply it to you, that specific website. It's my duty to do so. Right. It just came up in my head now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm saying, I'm illustrating the point that when you don't record your own history, then yeah. somebody else will record your history and they will more than likely make a mistake now whether it's just an error of information or a deliberate perversion of your history because when you walk and i'm going to make a very strong point now when you walk into a bookshop at the airport when you walk into a bookshop and you see all those books that are bestsellers that are in the front there those are more than just books of interest that people are writing about what 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 that is reference material for future generations yes two three generations from now the people that are going to be reading history and the people that are going to looking for reference material your own children are going to be finding those books as reference material because somebody is writing and churning out a lot of material and you are not and so your history is actually already being told you think it's just a book about what is happening at escom it's just a book about what is happening well no it's a recorder of history for a generation and when our children look back, the only legacy they'll find is the legacy of just how much you partied and the legacy of just how corrupt you were and the legacy of what. They'll find nothing to make them proud of themselves. And I'm being very cynical, but I'm saying the, the danger is that then two, three generations from now, our children and our great, great ch- ch- grandchildren, when they look around, they won't find anything that comes from us that we recorded that can help them to walk toward. Now, in a world that is continuously changing and in a world that is continuously buffeting the, 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 the internal resource of resilience, they need to find those intangibles that are going to help them believe in themselves, that are going to help them bounce back, and that are going to help them believe that they can. And that is probably the most significant part 
But secondly, we come to the confusions around spirituality. And I'm going to make a point uh, on the Fort Drecker monument, for example. And I say, and I make this point with great respect. Um, great respect to the traditions of the people who erected the Fort Drecker monument. Um, I, I believe that you would struggle around South Africa to find anything that even closely resembles the Fort Drecker monument in spiritual significance not just in architectural significance, but in spiritual significance. You'd struggle to find anything that is an altar erected by us to, 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 to celebrate the victories that God gave us and therefore remind our children to say, listen, as a nation, we have a God. This is our God, and this is what he has done for us. And in the future, when you have troubles, always remember to come here, kneel down and pray, and remind this God what covenant you have with him. I don't believe that we have a national, as, and, and when I say national, I mean South African, both black and white, I think that in the nation building, um, one might point out to things like, um, what is the, there's, there's something that was done in the parliamentary precinct, I think, where they brought soils together end at end. Uh, but I'm, I'm equating, I'm using the Fortrecker monument because of the size, the stature of that monument. And I'm saying, it's just one monument. If you look throughout the country, I'm going to make a point that is, I, I apologize in advance if it offends anybody. But this is my observation. If you go to the parliamentary precinct, for example, the parliamentary precinct in Cape Town, outside of the bust of uh, our honorable um, president, Holly Sasha Mandela, outside of that, the entire setup, yo, you could very well be in Europe. You could very well be in Europe. You know, the whole parliamentary process doesn't say African. It doesn't say South African. It says nothing uh, about us. It's, it's that entire precinct. So I don't think that in our architecture either we've made any significant effort to develop a unique South African identity and then say for our children and our children's children, there was a time a people who came together, who made peace with each other and decided to create a new South African identity. And we these are the monuments. Break. We need to take a quick break. And also because our time is uh, almost running up. But uh, take a voice note from an A-teamer. Hello, hello, Radio South Africa. Uh, uh, good morning to our guests. So it isn't time that history should be uh, introduced as a compulsory subject in order to address the legacy, uh, such as apartheid, so that uh, the youth can know about the, the past. Isn't that very crucial? Can I hear from the guest, WP Rams Limpopo? Thank you, uh, A-Tima. Um, so I'm very excited, before you even answer this one, Paul, I'm very excited about the fact that uh, we are not talking only money when we talk legacy because I think our generation is, uh, is thinks when you say legacy, it's all about how much money are you leaving for your children. And we are talking about a legacy of a good name, basically. That's, that's what we are talking about. And this question um, with... Uh, 
history that this ATMA brings forth. What's what's your take on it? Uh, please give me uh, quickly, uh, you know, your your response. My response is history should be taught, but correct history should be taught, mm, not um, distorted. We've you know not just not just history and i've made an illustration of how the people who record history now uh, are creating a particular narrative for the future so there needs to be quality control over the quality of the history but two i'm saying and this was my last point importantly we need to focus on the architecture a big part of Lagos, and we can have an entire program just discussing the significance of architecture uh, as part of Lagos. For example, the Taj Mahal. The Taj Mahal is more than just a building. It's a legacy. It tells us about a ruler who lived at a point in time, and it tells about his stature. The pyramids uh, of of Giza, for example, the pyramids of Egypt, they speak to a culture, they speak to a generation, they speak to the size of wisdom and whatever, whatever. So it tells us something about the people who lived at a particular point in time. And if you look, look at the architecture, particularly of monuments in South Africa, it is my submission that we have not created a new South Africa in our monuments. We have a lot of colonial monuments, uh, 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 beautifully done. A lot of money spent on them. I believe we have not even begun to spend on creating monuments that represent, therefore, that talk to history. I live in Durban. We need to close it there, unfortunately, because it's five o'clock now. (laughs) It's time for the news. Time (laughs) flies when we're having fun. This conversation is (laughs) one I think we should continue with. Maybe next week, let's continue around legacy because it's an important thing as we celebrate Heritage Month. And we've only just touched the tip of the iceberg. Um, Paul, how do we get in touch with you on social media platforms quickly? I'm on Facebook, Pons Monday, X at uh, Ponzi. Um, Instagram poll underscores Monday. Thank you so very Good much. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, teamers, remember you can join us in studio on the 25th of uh, September. Just uh, send us a message so we can interact with you and book you in. It's a minute after five. It's time for the news. May goodness and grace lead you to the great heights of success.